Thank you for joining me, listeners. You have joined Pouring Good Tea, and I am your host, Tracy Van B. Van Buren. I'm excited, and I know I say it every time, but tonight's or today's episode is one of my favorite. As always, we're going to start off with a little tip. Now, I saw this cup, and it's very, very pointed for tonight. So tonight's shows goes out to every woman that is told that she's too much. She um, is a little extra that why is she always looking so angry? Why is she doing this? This show goes out to every woman that's fighting to stand in her own space, that's fighting for what she believes, her own voice. And people who especially fight for other people, if you're fighting for that so-called underdog, this sip goes out to you. And you know, I'm always fighting for the other dogs. So I'm gonna sip a little bit for myself. Now, without further ado, buckle up because I am with one of my favorite people. And I know I say that, but I love her for real, y'all. This woman wears so many hats, but the one that stands out to me most is the one that she does with domestic violence abusers and victims and their families and everybody along the chain. None other than what I call Miss Pam Am. I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself to our listeners. So if you'll start with that. Hi. Um, like she said, my name is Pamela Ann. Um, I am a domestic violence advocate. I advocate, advocate especially on behalf of children who witness domestic violence in the home, but I fight for the victim as well. Um, I advocate because as a kid, I myself was one of those children. So I want children to be able to look at someone and see that even though I may be in the situation, there is a positive to it. And the positive is, is that I can grow up to be a productive citizen in society. I can grow up and not become a victim or an abuser. Um, and I love what I do. Sometimes it's hard, but it's necessary. So to all the fighters. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. I would say show over, but we've got so much to talk about and I'm excited to get right into it. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that we have, we have, and it still are in some cases, gone through a world pandemic. And I'm sure that's had its impact on domestic violence and what that looks like. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about that and some of the things that you've seen and how it's increased or what have you? So one of the things that we have seen because of the pandemic, COVID has wrecked havoc in these homes and and a lot of people really really although we were actually not attentive to it anyway or at least you know it's one of those things that we turn those blind eyes to it but because of COVID so many people have been exposed to DV even people who normally aren't and I'll give you an example um, there was a story of a young boy I think he was 10 his younger brother was about six and he had some cousins who were all at the mom's at his house and they were you know doing their virtual learning and she was helping him and helping his cousins and there, there was about six children in the home who was actually doing virtual learning again keep in mind 
people who are not normally exposed to domestic violence because of COVID has been exposed to it. And so what happened was um, the mom's boyfriend calls to the house and she answers the phone and they begin to argue and, you know, he, I'm on my way over there. And she thought it was a joke. Well, well he, he ended up showing up to the house. And when he got to the house, Tracy, I'm not sure if you read this on my page because I did post it. But when he came to the house, he shot her. He shot her 10 times in front of six children. Wow. Now, while her children may be, you know, used to this. Sorry. So to speak. So while her children may be used to this, the the cousins or the other children that were in the home may not have been. But the thing that really stuck out to me was this right here. They were all on their laptops, talking to their teachers, talking to the classroom, and all of them saw it. So the teacher who herself may not have experienced domestic violence now knows exactly what it looks like because she's standing there watching as this lady gets shot, other students yeah. at 10. And guess what? This was the first day of school. Wow. The first day of school. I actually don't remember having seen that. But I yeah. imagine the domino effect of not only her children, they've lost. I mean, everybody's lost you know everybody's lost but then everybody for the fallout of the kids that were on the phone the teachers that were on the phone so now if you haven't or you don't know about domestic violence you're thrown into it you're thrown into it and we they were according to the stats that they came up with so many of these experiences was happening through covid and I mean, it was like the children were so traumatized, they could not even call 911. The teacher had to call to the office at the school to get the little boy's address so that she could send the police there. So now you have her needing therapy. You have the children in the classroom needing therapy. You have the children in the home needing therapy. So you have all of these children who were just thrust into domestic violence in just a moment just that fast right right and it's it you know I know you advocate for children that are minors in age but talking to our audience of women that are over 40 what it just dawned on to dawn on me is that there are so many of us and the inner child in us that have seen and be a part of and, and right. witness or whatever that still need to heal as well um, yes and, and I don't think we, I don't think we recognize that. We don't, which is one of the reasons why I go so hard for the children. Mm-hmm. Because when I first got into this, I didn't even know. Somebody said to me, well, what happened to your mom? And I said, her boyfriend killed her. And they said, oh, your mom was a victim of domestic violence. And I said, no, her boyfriend killed her. Right. I didn't even know what it was. Never even heard the term domestic violence. And for those, those of us who do know what it is or has heard the term, we still look at it as if though it's nothing. Right. You know, I had a mom reach out to me yesterday and she was talking about her daughter who's in a DV situation. And she, she says, well, you know, he, he hasn't hit her yet. So it's really not domestic violence. But I, I'm seeing the signs. And, you know, I had to say, honey, if you're seeing the signs, 
then it's domestic violence. And it's not always physical. So we got to drive that into people. It's, it's not always physical. It's not always the black eyes. It's not always the bruises. Sometimes it's simply just the words that he's using. It's not okay to be called a bitch. It's not okay to be called a whore. It's not okay for some, some man to tell you what you can and cannot wear as an adult. It's not okay for him to tell you where you can and cannot go as an adult. It's not okay. So let's back up for a moment. Particularly in dating, after it's over, we always say, I saw that, but I didn't pay attention. It's in hindsight. So tell some of our listeners, whether they're going through it or not, what are some of the early signs that we ignore or we, you know, we just don't pay attention to or we try to cover up? So one, one of the things, one of the key things that we always see that is going to always be present in domestic violence is the isolation piece. So if that person can get you away from your family, from your friends, you know, you're going to hear things like, well, they don't love you like I do. And the only reason why I want you just, can you just come be with me tonight? I know you want to go hang out with your friends, but I'm so lonely. I miss you. And that, that just starts to trickle and it becomes bigger and bigger. And then it becomes, oh, well, you can't go see them because, you know, I got your best interests at heart. So that isolation piece, if they can get you away from the people who care and the people who love you, then that power and control kicks in on a whole nother level. So now it becomes, you're here with me. I know she's not going anywhere. So if I slap her, she, who's she going to call? She ain't gonna call her family because, you know, they're, they're right now, they're isolated. They're, you know, there's that wedge there. She's right. not gonna tell her friends because her friends, you know, I've already convinced her that, oh, your friends just don't wanna see us happy. They don't wanna see you with right. me. You know, <laughs> all that kind of crazy talk that they say. So they convince them and then they, they start isolating them and they, and, and they, you know, it's so easy to fall for it because we think that we're in love and, you know, love says, you know, I'm a ride or die. I'm gonna be here for my man, you know, kind of like the, um, is it the Jerry Springer thing where she's like, yeah, that's him. That's, that's my man. Yeah. And I'm gonna stick by him. But in actuality it is. And yeah. I hate it. I, I like, I hate when people keep posting and I want to just say like, you, you don't understand the reality behind that, right. that it is so true that so many women are convinced and men as well. So we, we know that men can be victims. So we're not just talking to just women. We're talking to both women and men, because we are seeing even more men now come forward to say you know what I'm I'm being beaten and we we gotta we gotta start listening to our men because for so long and our society has said to them you better stop being a punk you better man up you better stop you know you better not cry because if you cry you know everybody gonna think you're a wimp but I mean like these women are doing some stuff to these men like <laughs> another piece that is a sign and now that you're bringing it up I noticed the passive aggressive behavior. I've seen that before. So if I'm the guy or the female and you wanna go somewhere, I have an attitude. Oh yeah. I, I don't know what to do without you. You make, you know, I'm gonna make you feel guilty about doing something without me. And, and you know what, Tracy, they do it. And this is where that mental piece come in at. Okay. They can do it without even saying a word. 
right. without even saying a word, whether it is, oh, I drop your hand. I'm sitting there holding your hand. And then right. you say, I'm going out with my girls and I drop your hand or I just get up and I walk away and I go upstairs. That's where that mental piece come in and they play with your mind and they play with your psyche when it comes to all of that. That is definitely a sign. That is definitely a red flag. One that of the fact that this person has some insecurity, some deep-rooted insecurities right. and some deep-rooted fear and some deep-rooted jealousy that triggers abuse. So eventually, what the dropping of the, the hand miss- becomes the raising of the fist. Right. And then it's the honeymoon. Tell me about that, the honeymoon period where I do something, I'm really sad about it, I want to make it up. And the cycle. What they call that is the cycle of abuse. And, and it's three stages. And it's definitely, you know, the beginning, then there's the abuse, and then there's always the honeymoon phase. Oh, you know, you know, the 50 calls to say, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to hit you and, you know, apologizing 50 million times. If you just come back home, I'm not going to do it again. You know, not realizing, and this is exactly what the young lady said to me yesterday. Well, he said he's not going to do it again. Of course. And I said, And I said to her, I said, well, you know, tell me what he's doing to work on himself to make sure that he doesn't do it again. Now, you coming back to him ain't a reason for him not to do it. Right. So tell me what he's doing to work on himself to make sure that he does not do it again. Um, Statistics tells us he's going to do it again. (laughs) He's going to do it again until... He, find, he figures out what it is that's causing him to abuse. That's not the responsibility of the victim. That is his responsibility. And if anyone out there who is in an abusive relationship, let me tell you, if he is not willing to work on himself, when he or she is the problem, if they're not willing to work on themselves, then honey, they don't see enough value in you to do it. Okay, so... One of the things that is a big misconception, and I don't, I'm not the expert in the room on this subject, but we always think that when we think about a victim or someone being abused, we think about a shy, introverted um, person, but it's, yeah, that is so, so incorrect. When I tell you, I have walked in to rooms and homes of Men and women, women yeah. mostly. We're, we're going to say women, you know, just because we all know that most most victims are women and, and the numbers are higher. So I'm, if I say women, it's not because I don't think that men cannot be victims. So I want to put that out there. I'm just so used to saying women. But I have walked in and talked to women who sit behind a desk, who has CEO at the by end of their names, who is Dr. So-and-so, who has... 15 million in the bank, who has six cars, who has 12,000 square feet homes, who are, when it's just she and I, Mm -hmm. you know, it clicks. You are so right. I just don't know what I was thinking. I don't, you know, how did I allow this shit to keep happening? Like, (laughs) I don't get it. Right. And they are military former military like there there is no type because domestic violence don't discriminate so whether it's the shy and the timid the strong and the bold it goes after all of them and i have seen even the the strongest of the strongest 
this thing has broken them down and they are still trying to figure out how did I get here? I have a CEO, as a matter of fact, and she works for um, this organization that we all are very familiar with in the banking industry. And every year, every year, Tracy, she increases her life insurance policy because she knows that this man is going to eventually end up killing her. But because of where she lives and what she drives and the money that they have in the bank, she can't leave or she won't leave. So is that a societal thing? So from what I'm understanding, what it sounds like to me is, and, and that's a whole different show that love to have you back on it, but society says, if I've got the man, I'm winning. And so we even say when someone gets engaged or married to the woman, congratulations, like you were able to secure the, the right. thing. And so because of that, we got the man and we got the accoutrements, the house, the cars, whatever, we felt like we won. And I know that divorce is like a second death, if you will. So is, mm -hmm. that, is that a reason why someone would stay in a situation for appearances? So the, the reasons vary. Now that that is her her reason because she doesn't have children. It, it, you know, it's just him and her. So that's her reason. But the reasons why these people say vary so much. I wish we could just say, you know, well, the number one reason is, but there really isn't a number one reason because every time you talk to a victim, the, there's a different reason. So some stay because they have children. And I'll think about, I'll talk about how when um, my mom was going through her situation with her abuser. And even when we would leave the house and we would you know, have to figure out where we were gonna sleep and sometimes we have to sleep outside. And I just remember her saying, you know, I'm just so tired of my babies having to sleep outside and we would eventually go back. So a lot of people stay for the children. A lot of people stay because, hear me when I say this, it is harder to leave than people think. And people think that all you gotta do is just pack up your clothes, get your stuff and just leave and go. Not realizing that the average victim is killed when she's trying to leave or even after, she, after she's left. So it's not as easy as people think. It is really, really hard because we're talking about power and control right. and it is hard for people people in general just human beings to give up their power and their control so you know i we as women we're nurturers we're taught that from um kindergarten and preschool they give us a doll they give us a play area they teach us how right and i don't think there's anything wrong with that except for when it takes over your being and i hear I, I know of some people that have been abused and now that I'm looking at it, I've been in um, an abusive relationship while I wasn't being punched. It, you know, it, it can be financial. It can be emotional, right. you know, withdrawing or what have you. But a lot of times, and I'm not faulting them. Um, a lot of times we feel like I just love he, and he been through a hard time and I can mm -hmm. look love us for you know for the both of us and if i'm if i'm better if i'm if, if i'm do this well that he's going to change and and right. I'm all crap and it is it is because again i i will say that people will change because they see the need within themselves to do so 
whatever I need to fix about Pam ain't got nothing to do with Tracy. Whatever Tracy needs to fix about Tracy don't have anything to do with me. Now, it will enhance the relationship that I have with you. But other than that, until you see the need for it to change yourself, I can sit here all day and say, Tracy, you need to change. You need to change. Tracy, you need to stop. You need to do that. Now, you can take me up on what I'm saying, but the actual action has to come from you. I have to do it. And these, these abusers, which is why they have organizations now for abusers, because they have to realize that, you know, most of them be like, well, it ain't my fault. She made me hit her. Or, you know, I hit her because um, she wouldn't shut up. Like, so are abusers born or made then? They are definitely made. Definitely. Not only are abusers made, but so are victims. I'm glad you mentioned that. So are victims. So we are. And the statistic says that the average man or boy who witnessed domestic violence in the home is prone to be an abuser. So we mimic, that's why it's so important what we allow our children to see in our homes because they mimic what they see. My little grandson running around last night talking about some, oh shit, oh shit. And I'm saying, where you get that from? Like he, he just turned two today. I said, Ace, where you get that from? He's like, I don't know. And so I'm talking to his mom when she comes to pick him up and she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, somebody knows. Right. Like, what are you guys saying around him? Pull it out of the air. Yeah, yeah, right. But girl, he loves it too. Just that's his new favorite thing. That's his his new favorite word. But we have to be careful. We have to be so careful. You know, my youngest sister, Lord knows she's been in so many DV relationships. It's just too many to count. My brother, same thing. DV relationships, he, he's on both sides of it. He, he gets it and he gives it. So, and I know that it's a lot because of what we learned and saw in, our, in the home. So we have to be mindful of what we let our children see because one, whether we realize it or not, it is taking some type of effect and it's shaping them into something. That, and if further, that further debunks the whole thing. And I used to hate it. I, let, I love my grandmother, God bless the, the dead that whole concept of do as I say, not as I do. Not as I do. My actions are going to influence you, especially when you're in that learning mode, a whole lot more. We're all cups. And if all I'm filling your cup with is what you see, what you think is acceptable. Now that makes me wonder, you answered my question, but I never thought about it because I used to wonder I honestly used to blame the woman and I don't feel good about that, but that was me in my twenties or whatever, 10 years ago. Let's just go with that in my twenties. But- um, Me too. (laughs) I used to blame the woman because I felt like it's not his fault because you would leave this guy and you kept picking guys that would wind up abusing you. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I used to think that. And I think a lot of people assume that, oh, Tina, and this is, I don't know anyone named Tina that's being abused, just for the record. But Tina's with somebody again. At some point, it's not them, it's her. And that still doesn't make it right. But I didn't think that we have taught and we've created a victim. And the first person kind of helped pour the concrete. The second person that came is adding on and adding on until you've made the quote unquote perfect victim 
perfect yeah. victim. And then at the same time, the very people who are saying, Tina, Tina with another, somebody else beating her tail. These are the same people who does the interview after the funeral saying, I wish I could have helped Tina. Right, right. right. <laughs> like, these are the same people who got the t-shirts the that says, rest in peace, Tina. She got the angel wings and all this stuff. But you're not saying to Tina while she's alive, this ain't right. And then you have to keep in mind that like we not only do we have big mama who's saying who herself is being abused and it's like, oh, I'm okay, baby. You know, it's, it's you know, big mama said it. Then you go to church. Then you go to church and they tell you you can't leave your husband. Right. Unless, unless for uh what what's the, whatever the two reasons is i think mm -hmm. it's uh, adultery and i don't know some something stupid but they telling you that in church like we, you're hearing this every week every sunday you're hearing you can't leave your husband you got to stay with this person then you go and you have therapy with with the pastor and he's thinking that he's doing something with both of you sitting in the room like expecting you to tell him how this dude just, you know, the deacon just beat the crap out of you last night. Who's going to do that? Right. You're, Who's going to do, do that? You're the danger when you do stuff like that. Uh, yes. Yes. But no, I mean, like we haven't been taught and we haven't learned enough about it to know that you don't have couples counseling with your victim. people who are in DV with the victim. Right. You do not put her in the same room and expect her to be open and honest about being beaten by your friend, your leader, you know, your worker, you can't do that. So we have all of that. And then we have society that says not only that, but, you know, again, now divorce maybe is okay when, when it comes to society, but they say to us, you know, hey, once you get a certain age, if you ain't married, something wrong with you. So now we're, we're oh you know, we're, we're like 30 and almost 40 and we're thinking, I can, you know, I can't get a divorce because, you know, people are going to think something's wrong with me or, you know, like we have all of that these victims have to deal with all of that on top of on top of the dv that they're dealing with and then you're thought and you're taught that if you leave a situation that by all accounts and purposes that looks good from the outside looking in well girl what's wrong with you or they you know people will they're they're better about mm -hmm. trying to teach you how to deal with it and right Actually, which leads me to my next question because we've learned a couple of things from you on what this looks like and it's not just a pop-up side your head but no. me as a friend how do I support my my friend and when I say support because you you know my personality <laughs> I'm going to support you and and we're going to listen but at some point how do you how do you support that's the first question but then how do you how do you back away from somebody who just wants to vent enough to feel better to go get a little bit more? Because if you have, unfortunately, you have those people. Um, that last question. Um, I'll, 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 I'll ask the first question again. How do I support my girlfriend, my cousin, my mom, who's very tight lipped about it, or or whatever? How do I support her? How do I you know, one of the things about DV is, is that it is, it is hard. It is, it's hard for e even the friends who are just being friends to the victim. It is hard because 
how many times do I see my friend with, with the black eyes or the bruises? How many times do you tell me that, you know, he was in your face and he was yelling? How many times do you tell me that, you know, you can't come out and you can't hang with us anymore because he doesn't want you to be with us and it not do, do something to me. Right. So even for us, it can become so weighty, but we have to know and we have to have to understand that we, we do. We continue to offer the support and we continue to offer the truth to our friends. But at the same time, we have to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves because we can't keep pouring out of our cup and not refilling it. Mm -hmm. So it becomes so weighty that eventually what happens is a lot of people will start turning away. And now these people are, are left with no one and, and they need someone because a lot of times they're not gonna go or they're not gonna call the hotline or they're not gonna call the shelter or whatever. And sometimes you may be the only thing, the only truth that they have. And it may seem like it's not working. And I tell my girls, I, I use this analogy all the time. There is a parable that says, some plant, some water, but it is God that gives the increase. Mm -hmm. So as long as continue to plant those seeds, continue to plant the seeds. And, and then I think it's another parable that says, we don't know what's going on under the ground. Right. But we know when we see the manifestation of the thing that we are believing God for. So if I'm believing God to bring my friend out of that thing, I have to trust him in the process. So at the same time, I have to keep planting those seeds. I have to keep giving her the truth. And I tell people all the time, like, you don't have to go, you don't even have to go far. You don't even have to do research. Just go to my page and you will see stuff and share that stuff with them. Share it with them, but be there for them, but be there and don't become their abuser. And what I mean, what I mean is this, most victims hear people say to them, as soon as they start talking about the abuser, the first thing, I don't know why you with him. I don't know why your ass keep going back. I don't want to hear that. Like you, I don't want, you know, and that's what we start doing. And it's like, rah, 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 rah. And in her mind, what she hears is, you ain't no good. You ugly. Don't right. nobody want you. you I'm gonna beat the deal. So that. she hears her abuser all over again. Right. So we have to learn to not become the abuser because we have to realize that these people are fighting for their life. You know, we get up every day and we can decide, I can pick out any pair of shoes that I want to out of my closet. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to explain it to nobody. Right. You can wear your shirt. You can cut your shoulders out of your shirt but not everybody is free to do that. And it's not because they don't want to, it's because they have been conditioned right. to believe that they, and they've given up their will to someone who don't care. And they think that it's love and it's not love because this right. is love don't hurt, love don't hit, love don't curse, love don't bite, love don't fight, love does none of that. But there are so many people that are fighting for their life and they know that if I don't pull my shirt up on my shoulder. I'm going to get it when I get home or I'm going to get slapped backhand or something, you yeah. know, and we got to be, we got to start understanding that, that it's not so easy to walk out of that situation. It is not easy. It is not easy. When you wake up every morning to a gun in your face, I had a young lady who told me it is not easy. It's not easy when you wake up and you can barely walk because you've been beaten so bad. It is not easy for you to just get up and leave knowing they already done told you, you leave, I'm coming to find you and I'm gonna kill you. Ask Maya Jenkins, who was standing at the bus stop when she had left her abuser, he drove by the bus stop, shot her and she is now paralyzed from the neck down. So I can remember when you were saying all of this, I'm playing 
life, my life's movies in my head. And I remember the thing that I that just stood out to me is be okay with losing a little something to make sure you got all of you. Because mm-hmm. I remember when um, I was out here dating and I met this guy and he, super nice guy. He was well-to-do. I was in corporate America doing well financially and all of that. And he really wanted a relationship and it seemed to go be, you know, to be going fine. And the more we got closer, he had a home in Virginia, huge home, um, was a lawyer, had all this stuff. And then he started, I was going to school for another degree. And I remember him, it was a little bit at a time. And it started with, well, um, about my daughter's father and what was that like? And he was concerned about too much interaction. Then it was moving there at this mini mansion, so to speak. And then it was, well, when you come here, I think it's fine for you to go to school, but because I'm kind of like a well-known person in the city, you don't need a job because you'll be going to all these functions. And I really like this guy. I said, well, yeah, that's not my style. Because, you know, that old Brooklyn side of me was like, girl, keep talking, keep working, because you ain't going to never be dependent on somebody's coin. Right. But he was adamant. And I'll never forget my birthday came up. And I had a colleague that wanted to take me for breakfast for my birthday. And... Mm -hmm. um, I was on the phone with this guy, let's call him Rich, on the phone with him and my friend knocked on the door. My daughter told him, hey, I'm, you know, I'm out here. And I was like, hey, guy, I'll be out there in a little, boy, little bit. This guy was like, who's that? Who are you talking to? And I, was, I didn't think much about it, but I said, I'm talking to my friend. You remember, you've heard me talk about him. And he was like, you're going out on your birthday? I was like, well, you couldn't be here. And he goes, well, I just feel like if you're going out, you should go with me. Okay, well, come here. And, wow. and, yeah, I was in Charlotte at the time. And I know he would not, he didn't want to get off the phone to the point where I said, hey, I'm going to have to go. And I hung up the phone and he kept calling me back. <laughs> and yeah. I sat back, I got to, I was so distracted when we went out to eat that my friend noticed. And I thought about that for like two days. And I said, mm-mm. Take on your ring. I'm good. I don't want no part of that. And I remember my friends, my so-called close girlfriends were asking me, girl, I wouldn't have turned that down. I mean, he just, you know, he just, you cute. And he just felt a little uncomfortable. And da, 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 da. they were trying to convince me to right. get back in this situation. But something about that never felt right. So I say sometimes when you think you're missing out on something. Right, right. And all of you. And I think we need to be aware of even those signs. Great guy, great income. I mean, great income. But it was that control factor. And I could see now where he was trying to isolate me, isolate so he could control everything. Right, right. I realized that it happens that way. It does. And I, I wish that I could say, um, you know, hey, guys, it happens immediately. So you can see it the same day. Like, you're going to see it on your first date. But they are so cunning and they are so good with it that, you know, it's like, 
which is why that cycle, it talks about the abuse. And then it talks about how the abuse turns into the honeymoon phase because, you know, it's like, oh, if I bring her flowers and I go out and buy her, you know, something from Tiffany's and she'll be okay and everything will be back to normal. He'll be back to normal. So that's why you have that cycle. And we, people, oftentimes, you know, we, we see a lot of caught up in the, you know, the material, yeah. material. Which is why financial abuse is so real. It is so real. Oh my God. I'm meeting more and more women who will say, I don't, I don't have a debit card. I'm not allowed to have a debit card. You know, I go to the grocery store. He gives me $20. If it's $19.99, I better have a penny when I come back. We're still doing that. I, it is. Uh, yeah, it, it happens all the time but you know a lot of women because because you know these they're living in these immaculate homes and they're driving these nice cars and and they don't work and so they're like at home moms and not even realizing that control piece right there so when you're when they're ready and they a lot of them are ready but it's like where do i go that compares to this because when you see it in movies, I think one of the, I can't remember the movie it was, it was a lady who was in a, an abusive situation and she had all these trappings, like you said, and to get out, she basically, they offered her a room, a bed in a corner somewhere because you're mm-hmm. not leaving this grandiose place and then they have a 2000 square foot mm-hmm. house for you to recover. Right. Essentially, you're starting over, not only financially, right emotionally and I'm not saying that to deter anybody I'm but I am saying that to deter if you have the opportunity to not get yourself in that and see the red flags because I liken it to unfortunately I hope it's not offensive predators know their prey right this is a big thing about boundaries I'm gonna push to see if I could do this and if she didn't say mm-hmm. then I'm gonna push it a little more and then we're going to play fight. And then it's a slap. And then so on and so on. I don't know what to do with that. I don't, the, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. I, I, I just feel so bad for people that find themselves in that situation. Because it's hard enough to be your own person without having somebody else come in and try to make you what's best right. for you. Right. Right. What would you say to what's a good resource? And and I know there are a lot of them out there and I'll go ahead and say it because maybe you can or don't want to. Not everybody that says they're helping victims are actually helping. A lot of things go to overhead. And, and I know this is supposed to be good tea, but what's a good resource that women can go to after they've been abused, in the middle of abuse, or even if, it, if they have questions, hey, this is happening. Am I being abused? Well, definitely call the, the domestic violence hotline number, 1-800-799-SAFE. That number is very important. And, and for those of you, those who may be listening and, you know, you saying like, I've had enough and I'm ready to, I'm ready to come out of this thing and I'm ready to move on with my life. And even if it means me having to start over, call me, reach out to me because we, we don't, we don't want you to just up and leave, you know, because again, I, I have to reiterate the worst time 
is when you're leaving or you're trying to leave. So what we want to do is we want to come up with a safety plan. We want to plan this thing out. In other words, what, what do you mean? What is a safety plan? Right. I'm going to tell you, hey, every time you get paid, if you have some money in the bank, give it to somebody else. Put it to the sides. Put, give it to somebody you trust to hold for you so whenever you're getting ready to start over you won't have to start over with nothing get all of your important documents your children's birth certificates your social security cards um anything that you deem would be important so when you're getting ready to sign these rental agreements or you're getting ready to try to buy some furniture or whatever all of those things you'll have get all of those things put them in a ziploc bag give them to tracy give them to your friend somewhere else every week or every other day gather up an outfit for your children mm -hmm. an outfit and continue just take them to your friend's house so whenever you are ready to transition you won't have to figure you won't be standing there crying saying you know all my baby stuff is in the house and all my clothes is in there get an outfit every week and just start transitioning it to your to your friend's house so that those people can hold those things so when you're starting over you'll have just about everything that you need to start over and it won't be as hard as just having to get up in the middle of the night because you're having to run out because they're acting crazy and you know they're not letting you back in because they blocked you out of the house and stuff. So call me, call the, safe, the, the 799 safe number. They'll, they'll tell you the same thing. We'll come up with the safety plan for you because the safety plan for everybody is not the same. It's, it's just not the same. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. Um, I want to encourage, because I've heard it, and the sisters of the brothers and the mamas of the sons. They, the they are the worst ones. That are enabling our babies and our man-mans and all of that. That makes, that chaps my butt. I'm going to be honest with <laughs> you. They are the worst ones. And I, I'll tell you, as, as a mother of a son, now I'm, I'm quick to tell my son, if you are ever in a place where you feel you got to put your hands on a woman, you better leave. Right. But you got these mothers that are like, you know, oh, my little sweet baby Jesus, when you actually got a little Chucky and you're standing here trying to convince me, like, you know, I've seen where victims have been laying in the hospital near death. And it's like, oh, I don't think my son did that. Or he didn't mean to do that. What do you mean he didn't mean to do that? Like he's been doing it for years. This time was just worse than all the other times, but the mothers are worse. And of course, you know, the sisters always want to fight for their brothers. Man, I'm just telling y'all, conceal weapon class. <laughs> I have never, as many times as, I, as I've fallen on various parts of my body, I've never fallen hard enough to break my jaw. To break your jaw, or, or better yet, I've never fell on an axe before that was inches away from my spinal cord. Right. So <laughs> there is no when you when you do some of the things that I've seen with people, that's definitely on purpose. Um, and there's nothing you can say. I would even encourage some of the young men, old men, whatever age men that you are, if you've got friend guy friends that you know that are doing that, make them uncomfortable. Make yeah. it comfortable to talk about it, to, to, to think about it, to even vent about it. Man, I had to do so and so and so. Make them uncomfortable saying it around you. But you know, it, it, it's, it's, you're, you're right. You're right. But you know, Uncle Joe told her, and you know, we love Joe on Medea because that's exactly what he would say slap that hoe. 
choke. What is it? Choke, chokehold, or one eight hundred chokehold. So you know, and, and we know that we we have those uncles in our family that's like, oh, you gonna let her talk to you like that? Are you going to let her, you, she ain't going to fix your plate. What? You know, we have that. So we got to counter all of that. You know, it ain't funny that even in the rap music, it's like. I, I'll, never, I'll never forget. Um, I was um, married out in Texas and I, I, you know, I got a little something, something spicy, a little kick to me. A little chicken. <laughs> yeah. I remember cooking this entire Thanksgiving dinner. And I wanted, I just wanted my spouse at the time to go get some cranberry sauce. And his, you know, the game's wrong. So what you mean? Get up and go, I'm watching the game. And I was, so I was like, listen, I've been in here slaving over this stove and I didn't make that much, but it was a lot to me. But I made all this stuff and you can't go get whatever. So I put it in the trash, little, you know, extra on my part. But I'll never forget <laughs> that I was at the top of the stairs and his brother called and he, they were talking about the game. This is back when, before all this cordless phones or whatever. So they were on the speakerphone and his brother, they used to call me New York because they were from New Orleans. How New York City doing or whatever. And I'll never forget <laughs> Um, I'm standing at the top of the stairs, ear hustling, and the guy, I'm not going to name names, asked him, he was like, man, I bet New York City cooked all kind of fancy stuff, because, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be bougie or whatever, and he said, well, yeah, she did, but we had turkey sandwiches, he said, well, she ain't cooked, he said, nah, I pissed her off, and she threw everything away, he said, see, man, I told you, them kind of women, them uppity women, you got to beat her one good time to let her know. And uh, my husband, oh. said, nah, man, that ain't the kind of girl you do something like that. And I remember screaming down, I said, I know that's goddamn right. Put your hands on me. I got an attitude just thinking about it. And I, I'm laughing about it. I can see where I was wrong and a little, you know, obviously throwing the food away and getting the attitude we were all wrong but yes it did it would never have warranted him putting his hands on me right right the fact that a sibling it was just as as casual as pass the police pass the butter that whole conversation it just came off his tongue so Mm -hmm. casually like that's what we do she acting right lump her up well i mean because that's what we do and that's what we've seen and that's that's what we've seen in our homes and that's why now our children are and that's why we're having to reach the children earlier when you have a, the school calling me saying a six-year-old just checked choked one of his um female classmates because she wouldn't give him the crayon and once they get into the office and ask him why and he says well that's what my daddy do to my mama when she don't listen because he's not learning that on wwf anymore he told the truth about where he learned it from and he learned it from his daddy and i mean these it, it is it is one of those things that happens and I mean, it happens more time than not 
And we've just turned a blind eye to it too much. We've swept it under the rug. I know Big Mama said, you don't go out telling your business. What happens in this house stays in this house. Big Mama was wrong. And we, I mean, it's time for us to just be like, oh, well, Big Mama got it wrong. And But Big Mama always had a black eye. And she, Big Mama had one. My mama had one. Like, too many of us having black eyes. And y'all telling us it's okay. It's not okay. Yeah. And, and so we got to go against the grain. Right. And that's kind of one of the biggest reasons why I'm doing this podcast and the videos that we do, because at our age in that 40 and above group, we've got to dispel a lot of things. And one of the best things that I could have ever done for myself is realizing that well-intended information and things that were taught to me is bull. And right. Right ideals without rejecting my grandmother or my mother or whomever and that's wrong and you can pretty much tell when big mom and auntie and and whomever got jacked out the most because right after it she was pregnant <laughs> right you're pregnant on one side of the street and then somebody else is pregnant on the other side of the street by the same dude so he done came over slapped you around gave you some just because he want to go back over here, slap her around, give her something. Like, we we believe all of this stuff. And people ask me all the time, and they'll say, um, Pam, you were so, because I was only eight years old when my mom was killed by her, her boyfriend, who was her abuser. And they'll say, oh, you were so young. Like, what did you think? Did you know this was wrong? And I'm like, yeah, I know it was wrong. Like, what do you mean? Who, who I knew it was wrong. didn't get up and get wake back up. It's not wrong. Like, I knew that it was not okay that my mom is laying this, in this floor or that her tooth was knocked out of her mouth. And I, yes, I knew that. I knew that it was wrong that we were having to carry her to safety. Yes, I knew that it was wrong. The children knew, children now knows that it's wrong. So there's about 8 million children who witness domestic violence in the home right now. They know it's wrong. But because... We were told so many times, don't go out of here telling my business. Don't you tell yeah. nobody what happened last night. Yeah. Same thing happening with them. And you don't know how to process. I got a little story because I'm going to be transparent about all <laughs> So you don't know how to process that stuff because basically what you you're doing is here, 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 here. And then you got all this laying on you at such a young age. And I don't know what to do with it. I saw my mom. I saw my mind one particular time that comes to mind was some guy she wasn't even married to was fighting her. And my brother and I got in between this guy and the guy was started hitting my brother and I. When it was all said and done, my mom, you could see the cartilage hanging out. He had bit my mom's thumb here so bad that he could see the cartilage. And she was more focused on, let's make this scene. We're still fine. We're carrying... At the time, it was the best Kmart version bag we can handle, and we're still going around and we're normal. And I saw this secular stuff so much that I didn't want to have children. I didn't want to date. So at around 14 or 15, I thought I was gay, not because I was attracted to women, but because I didn't want anybody. I didn't want to be bothered with anybody because I didn't want what that brings. Right, right. Right. And so I didn't know that I had emotionally shut down from wanting to be in a relationship. And then you have to process all of that right. while trying to go to school and make good grades right. and not act out in school. And I mean, like, you know, I, I acted a fool in school. I mean, I could fight, would fight. 
could fight, still can. But I would go to school and fight like for no reason whatsoever. You're acting out. And that's the thing. And that's why I say to these administrators and to these teachers, pay attention because Mm -hmm. it's not always ADHD. These children are acting out and mimicking what they're seeing in their homes. And I say to my teachers now, because I still talk to a lot of them and I'm in contact with, especially my, my first teachers. And I'll say like, but did you guys not know that something was going on? And they're like, we didn't know. Well, how could you not know? Tracy, there was days we would go to sleep, go to school wearing the same clothes that we had on the day before, after we had them slept outside, we had, we would have blood all over our shirts and stuff. How do you not notice a child like that? So you don't know, you don't know what to do. I had, I had similar situations. You don't know what to do. And it's like, as long as I can pretend, you ever go in somebody's house and it smells badly? <laughs> your nose is like, it's like, you know, you're wrinkling your nose, but, or you sit in somebody's house. And I remember as a kid and they had bugs and you pretend that you don't see, you know, your eye all the way over here, but you pretend that you don't see it because once I acknowledge it, I have to do, I have to, I'm accountable. I am now accountable for what I see and what I hear. And that's why most of us don't want to address it. That's why most of us don't want to get involved because now it requires us to be accountable. Well, Tracy, did you know that Pam was getting beaten? This is after the funeral. Did you know, did you know what was going on? Well, or yeah. <laughs> sometimes if I see your stuff in order to help you with yours, I have to address mine and I'm not ready to address my stuff. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's. It's, it's so many dynamics to it. It's like peeling an onion for real. There's so many di- dynamics to this DV thing. But again, the ultimate is that we have to keep in mind again, that for most people in these situations, every day is a life or death situation. So while we, you know, COVID is over, we can pull our masks down. There's still some people who has, have on their mask. And I'm not talking about the linen cloth mask that we were wearing because of COVID. I'm talking about the mask and the facades that they have to wear because they're trying to hide and disguise what, what's going on with them and, you know, the situations that they're in. That's why we have to pay attention. And when you're talking about support, to me, that is what support is, is being able to recognize that my friend just ain't the same. You know, I hadn't talked to my friend in a while. And I mean, COVID, Oh, I wish I could have gotten up at least one morning and I didn't have about six people in my inbox or six text, text messages from somebody. I just wanted to be just like, oh, so many people imagine now you're, you're already being abused, but now they're saying, hey, you can't go anywhere, but stay at home with your abuser. Right. Stay at home. And that, and it's a day in What the hell? Particular. <laughs> cycle it's like groundhog's day of abuse it, it it is i mean like i'm telling you these women are were being abused for reasons that oh because my nike socks you lost one of my nike socks yeah. i'm on the phone with her and this is what i'm hearing all yeah. of a sudden i heard Doom. yeah and they don't care because they know it doesn't matter what the other listener is doing. They know you're not going anywhere. Um, and this is, and I'll say it again. This is why 
we have these conversations at Pouring Good Tea on everything from domestic violence to self-care and getting your groove back on because that's important too. Oh, um, wait, talking about that. We're not going to talk about it on this show, but oh, we're well, yeah, going to come back for it. You're going to come back for it, but right now. And we gotta, I, yeah, I got to be on that show because you know what? I'm tired of these people not using protection. Uh, now, I'm about uh, getting, uh, oh, but uh, hey, go ahead. Uh-uh. We, we, we we gonna have her back but right okay, now i'm back now right now i want to encourage someone that's listening you may not have ever been domestic violence like you said in any form but you know somebody who is whether you're sitting mm-hmm. across from them in church at work wherever at the family reunion and it may start with and some of us are proud because we've been taught how to be some proud super women too, strong, and we can withstand everything. But I've learned in whatever situation, because I also advocate for children because I was heavily abused in every way you can think of. So, you know, I feel like I'm helping the child in me when I help someone else. But I'm also concerned about the child and some of us as, as adults. So, start off by letting a friend know, and I've done this, not necessarily domestic violence that I'm aware of, but you never know. I'll say, hey, I'm going to put you in my favorites. So that means I'm going to get your call even when I have my do not disturb on. And when you call, let me know if you just want me to listen. I have had people to call me just to cry. And they cry for 15 minutes. And then they say, Okay. I'm okay now. <laughs> right, right. And that sometimes that might lead to, I'm going to cry for 10 minutes and then we're going to talk for five. And then next time I may talk 10 minutes until eventually, hey, I'm tired of being tired. Can I let some of my children's mementos and my clothes and what have you? Because I did that. I, I literally, I was going to get married and... um I literally opened an account and not because I was fearful. It was just how I was raised. That condition it always has something don't nobody know about. So I opened an account. I used my friend's address and all of the bank statements went to her house for years. Even after I didn't get married to the person, she was still getting, I would say three years later, she was like, hey, I'm still getting these bank statements do you want them i forgot i had all this money so it was new money for me what i'm saying is even if it starts by listening to someone do that until you you have the courage to call the 1-800 number or a pam or someone local and i would encourage the person that's listening shut your mouth too many times we listen to our friends' information just to have conversation with mm-hmm. other people. Right, right. Good place to land. What would you say to someone that is the friend of somebody or a listening ear? What, what advice would you give to them? I think that you said it very, very well. And again, I will stress that we don't want to become the abuser. So we don't want our words to be as abusive abusive as his or hers. We don't want to become that person for them. So like you said, sometimes it may mean I'm just sitting there and I'm just listening. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to 
allow you to cry on my shoulder. Do that, you know, especially if it's your friend, even if it's, even if it's not your friend and it's someone who, who, who are calling you because, you know, they heard that you care. Right. If you care, care, but care is not you running out, telling all of their business. Care is not you embarrassing them and bringing reproach to them. You know, I tell my children all the time, one thing you ain't got to worry about your mama ever doing to you. I don't care how bad, how stank y'all are. I'm never going to bring reproach to my children. And my friends know that I'm the same way. I'm never going to do anything to bring reproach. So we have to be above reproach when it comes to situations like this, because the last thing that that, that joker needs to hear is that you went out and told what I what happened here. Right. Imagine what could happen. And you don't want to be the cause of your friend or another person, you know, facing death, facing the hospital visits, you don't want to be the reason for that, but be a, be that person who, who cares and who can listen. And you're not going to bring reproach to this person because these people, they need someone to talk to because again, they are in a situation where it is life or death. And every day they wake up, they have to figure out how to live and don't be a stumbling block or don't be a hindrance for that. That's a good word. I am really, really thankful to you for sharing your expertise. Um, what they say that your purpose is in your passion. And, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again for the listeners. And I'm speaking to a thousand listeners. If we don't have them yet, there's going to be a thousand people that at least listen to this. It will. Um, we speak in that. And I'm sorry for the loss that was your mom. But I'm so thankful for all the women that you've been able to speak into. I, I know personally you didn't bring that up. Sometimes it's not just the people that see it, it's the kid that see it. So thank you so much for sharing. I know it gets tired, you carrying other people's burdens, but thank you for doing that. And um, thank you for taking up the cause. And if there's some way that I can help with that, let me know. I say it, I'm saying it publicly. I say it privately and I say it publicly. And for she you, does, she always texts me and call me y'all just to say, yes, hey, yes, yes, I love yes. her. We're going to get married one day. Yes. Yes. Oh God. And I, I <laughs> somewhere on, on the social media links for this podcast, whether you're watching via the podcast or the video, we will share Miss um, Pam's information, how to get in contact with her. We'll also share again the domestic violence um, um, hotline so that you'll have that and you don't have to store it. You can just keep coming back to this and, and um, um, clicking on it to get that information. Also, link up with her because she also, from time to time, takes up money to support different people in, in various endeavors of them rebuilding their life. And I can tell you, this is fertile ground. She's, I trust her with my money. I trust her with my talent and my resources to help other people. Because sometimes you may not be called to do it with your actions, but you could help with your resources. Right, right. Thank you so much, Pam, for joining me, for sharing. Thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing. And, you know, I'm your biggest fan. Thank you. I appreciate you. To our listeners, share the conversation. It's uncomfortable, but it's needed because death isn't just 
getting punched in the face. It's not just getting shot and you closing your eyes. Every time someone demeans you or makes you feel less than, you die a little bit. So share mm. these conversations. Don't forget to subscribe to Pouring Thick Tea and um, share your comments. Until next time, sip well, sip wisely, have fun. Bye-bye.